Uh, I'm Bobby Johns. This is my lovely, lovely wife, Shari. La, 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 la. So, uh, it's always good for us to share our story, but it's not really our story. It's, it's really God's story. We're just players in it. So, uh, thanks for letting us share our story with you tonight. A uh, quick prayer to get us started. Father God, thank you for your grace and endless blessings that we don't deserve. Please open our eyes and open our hearts to your truth. And if there is anything useful in our story, please let that come through tonight. You are mighty and filled with love and compassion for us, your broken children. There is no marital problem or other issue here tonight that is bigger than you, God. You love us where we are and love us enough not to leave us there. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bobby and I have been together for 19 years. Uh, We've been married for 13 of those this past November. Uh, We have two beautiful boys, which we'll pull up here. Austin, who's nine, and Wyatt, who's going to be five in a couple weeks. Um, And we've been going uh, to church here at Watermark now for about seven years. Uh, Both Bobby and I were born in Texas. There we go. As for my background and family, I, I wasn't raised on any kind of organized religion. My parents were divorced when I was 18 months old because my father was gay. I usually don't mention that uh, up front because people often tune out for a minute when they hear that blah, 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 gay, blah, 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 blah. This played out badly for me because the rest of the family was deathly afraid that I would turn out to be gay too. So even at a very young age, I was encouraged to notice women, to look at cheerleaders, and so on. This was like throwing gasoline on a fire. I was already attracted to women. Uh, I started a a lifelong addiction to pornography, starting with Playboy at age eight, with the encouragement of a relative who was thinking she was helping me. I grew up with a series of stepfathers uh, until I was 12, and my mom's fourth husband seemed to stick. They were married for 20-plus years. He was the first stable father figure I ever had. And he taught me about being a man, not so much about by what he said, but what he did. He was a good moral man. He became a Freemason and passed away just a few years ago. Just about the time I hit puberty, I was trying to leave anything about God and the Bible behind. I asked questions of the Christians I knew, but no one could give me what I thought were intellectually honest answers uh, about the hard questions. How do I know the Bible is God's word? How do I know that Jesus is who he says he was? Uh, Why does God let bad things happen? 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far away from God, actively running away from him. If you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all ten of the commandments. I don't know how to give you details about my past hedonism without it sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and had completely bought into the world's lies, living in the darkness. I mocked everything Christians stood for, and I did it with gusto. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father was physically abusive to my mother, and when I was 15, my mother took me and my two brothers Um, and where we lived in a women's shelter for three weeks in hiding from him. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. My mother then remarried a man who also had three children, and together they had one more. And so all nine of us lived together in one tiny house. 
And because of the divorce and the remarriage, I had to start over again at a new high school. In hindsight, God was looking after me. A sweet girl that I met introduced me to others she knew and befriended me. They all invited me to go to church with them, and I loved it. At church camp the summer before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord, and I was baptized. I had head knowledge of what that meant. I thought if I was good and I helped other people, then all was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, but it's for, um, by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. After high school, I stopped running with those friends I had made at church, and I went completely wild. I began drinking and experimenting with drugs, and because of my promiscuity, I became pregnant and decided to have an abortion. I pursued a career as a tech geek, bought the latest gadgets, got married and divorced, chased women, and let sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology and in comparative religion and philosophy for pleasure. After first being excited, I would find the, that I'd found the real answer at last, only to discover that I, when I chased these ideas to their uh, logical conclusion, they were just another dead-end lame excuse for the truth. Slowly, I began to live a life closer to the straight and narrow, but never consciously trying to please or know God, just dropping the most destructive behaviors that I had lived long enough to realize didn't work. I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable after that. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. All of my friends were living with their boyfriends. Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. One afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got to the emergency room where I learned I was having a miscarriage, and I was devastated. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again, and we were very excited. It turned out that I had, had, an, I had an ectopic pregnancy um, and was immediately rushed into emergency surgery. I remembered after the surgery looking at a friend and asking them if this was God's way of punishing me for having the abortion. About a year after this, I got pregnant again, um, but fear dominated most of that pregnancy. But our little blessing was born, happy and healthy, and we named him Austin. After the birth of our son, Bobby and I slowly drifted apart, feeling like I had to control everything, making all of the decisions, feeling very alone. I remember sitting on the couch after Austin had gone to bed one evening and looking at Bobby and telling him about how lonely I felt, even though we were sitting in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I was finally ready to get married again, after much patience on Shari's part. I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son, after several misadventures, I began to wonder if I was capable of really being a good father, not to mention a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy put a deep fear into me and made me realize how little control I really had. I had almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I learned from the various self-help and growth, personal growth efforts over the years had taken me about as far as they could. My marriage was dying, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. 
Divorce was the most likely outcome, and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of a failure to lead in passivity. My addiction to pornography was also taking its toll. At this time in our marriage, you could say that Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance that grown between us was pretty deep. I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad, depressed, and lonely. I started contemplating divorce and what that might look like. I started picturing my son and myself living without Bobby. The world had made it sound so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended the marriage. (sighs) Satan was working on my heart. He would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008, and I had come with a friend who had invited me, and I brought my son, um, just Bobby and I, I mean, uh, Austin and I, Bobby didn't come. Um, She had a son the same age as ours, so it made it easier to come. Todd was talking about marriage and specifically about being undivorced. I remember him saying that if you were still married but not following God's definition of marriage, then you were living undivorced. It hit me. It felt like he was talking to me and that somehow he knew I was showing up that morning and created this sermon just for me. When in reality, it was Jesus who knew I'd be walking into those doors on that very day and through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me. I remember going home that day and telling Bobby about the sermon. I told him I was going to go back the next week and that he could come with me if he wanted to. He didn't come again that second week, but the sermon was a series about marriage. And I remember praying that day that Bobby would come with me the next week, and he did. I wasn't excited about going to church. But I was hoping for a little solace and maybe a few new social contacts. I didn't have any men in my life that I could regularly talk to about anything except technology. To be honest, I wasn't sure if the church building wouldn't cave in when I walked in. (laughs) Todd was in the middle of the first re-engaged series, and it seemed like he was just talking to me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. Six plus years later, a couple have not been about me. They're about her. What I found was a people who had a love and authenticity and energy that I'd never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep that he gave his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took a while for me to come around to the conclusion this might be what I was looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I I don't know what this is supposed to look like. But if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. At first, I didn't tell people I went to church here, not because of what they might think of me, but, because, but what they might think of the church. If they, let, if they let that guy in, they'll let anybody in. That's actually the truth, but I felt the need to protect my new friends from my past, but they didn't need it. They already had a protector and a redeemer. I began reading the Bible and found things I had never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I spoke with committed Christ followers who spoke with authenticity I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian 
a Christ follower was forever changed. No one was afraid of even my toughest questions. The toughest thing is turning the pages. Um, I began to pray regularly and found a peace I had not had before. I began to see improvements in my marriage and my other relationships. I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. I still struggle. Uh, I still struggle, but I find my way back. What I was missing was there all along. I just never saw God's love for what it was. Unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography diminished. I finally threw away my last stash of DVDs one day after reading scripture, James 1, 19 through 21. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group. I started going to equip disciple at our church because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do you need earplugs? <laughs> we decided to give this new marriage class called Reengage a shot. 26 weeks? Are you kidding me? Okay, let's do it. You guys are lucky. It was 26 weeks back then. <laughs> Two other couples from our community group did re-engage with us. I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first re-engage class that um, Watermarket offered, and I just wasn't ready at all. My heart was very hard towards him, and I felt at times that it would never soften. I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it. Focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ is truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. I'm so very thankful today for what the Lord has blessed me and my family with. We have dear friends who pour into us and love us and guide us. I think about how our little family has grown and how awesome our two boys are, and I rejoice in this relationship my husband and I now have with Jesus, and Bobby's my best friend. There's no place I'd rather be. He's my rock, and I'm really thrilled to follow his lead. And we have a, another picture, if we have it back there. So, yes. So, this is just to illustrate. These are our Christmas cards last year. But we showed this picture to illustrate where we were seven years ago. It was in such a deep, awful place. And where we are today is so joyous and so amazing and I'm just so grateful and thankful and now we have a little one and he's just a blessing to our family so anyway I wanted to show that we still have conflicts and argue sometimes but the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then each other Shari and I serve now as small group facilitators and re-engage not because we have a perfect marriage because we don't but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. The fear and sadness can be crippling. If that's where you are and wondering whether this is for you, yes, it is. There's no better place that I'm aware of and there's no better time to, to start than right now. And if you have something scary that you need to share with your spouse or small group, do it tonight. Dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. John Joshua 1.9 
I have, not, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share our story with you tonight.